Welcome to Brutal Ends. I'm your host, Sarah Moore, and today we will be discussing Earl Nelson, also known as the Gorilla Killer. Earl Nelson was the first known American serial sex killer of the 20th century. His victims ranged in age from 12 to 63 and included one eight-month-old baby. The women were mostly landladies who met with Nelson about rooms they were letting out. He was charming when he needed to be, but turned monstrous in an instant and would pounce on the unsuspecting woman and strangle her to death. He would then rape the corpse, often multiple times, before hiding the body and moving on to his next victim. By the end of his year-and-a-half rampage of murder and necrophilia, he would claim the lives of 22 known victims and is suspected of taking at least 25 lives. This is his story. Earl Nelson was born in Philadelphia on May 12, 1897, to parents who would die within two years of syphilis. After his parents' death, Earl went to live with his maternal grandmother, who was a devout Pentecostal. Even as a child, he was known to be withdrawn and moody. He often exhibited odd habits, one of which was leaving for school dressed in clean, new clothes and returning at the end of the day in filthy rags he had traded or found. It was clear, even from a young age, that something was odd with Earl. Things got even more strange when, at the age of ten, Earl suffered a severe head injury resulting from an accident. While riding his bicycle, he was struck by a streetcar and lay unconscious in the hospital for six days. When he woke, his behavior became even more erratic. He suffered memory loss, headaches, and became more aggressive. He also began a lifelong fascination with masturbation and sexuality. Adding to his already unstable life, at 14, his grandmother died, and Earl was sent to live with his aunt and uncle. His aunt was a fanatic Pentecostal and took the teachings of the Bible very seriously. As the devoutly religious person she was, she instilled into her impressionable young nephew a Bible-thumping obsession. By this time, he was already a regular at the local brothels. This, added to a religious fascination, he made for an unpredictable and surprising character. Then, at 18, he was arrested for burglary, after breaking into what he thought was an abandoned cabin. He was sentenced to two years at San Quentin, even then an infamous prison. He was released just as America was becoming involved in World War I and enlisted with the Navy straight out of prison. But he fell short of a stellar military career, as he spent his first months refusing to leave his cot and ranting about the great beast of revelations. His behavior was unpredictable and unnerving, and he spent the rest of the war in a military institution. He escaped three times before the staff stopped looking for him. His final escape was in 1919, and he remained at large until 1921. It was around this time he began posing as Roger Wilson. It was under this name that Earl met and married 58-year-old Mary Martin. The marriage was quick to spiral downward, and the poor woman's life was made into a living hell. Nelson forced Mary into the fantasy role of a domineering maternal figure and demanded much of her sexually. 
He was also extremely possessive, and would fly into rages if she even spoke to another man, including her own brother. Nelson's sexual perversions and obsessive jealousy drove his wife to the point of a nervous breakdown after a mere six months. This signaled the end of the marriage, and for the first time, Earl was truly on his own. Shortly after the separation, Earl engaged in his first official sex crime. He attacked a 12-year-old girl and attempted to rape her. Fortunately for her, the girl's screams were overheard by a neighbor, who then rushed to her aid and stopped Nelson before he was able to carry the child inside. He was determined to be mentally unfit and remained to the Napa State Mental Hospital. He tried unsuccessfully to escape several times before he was finally released in 1925. Less than a year later, he would find his true purpose and set off on a killing spree that would lead police on a chase across the country. From February 26th to June of 1927, Nelson would go on to attack, assault, and strangle over 20 victims, ranging in age from 14 years to 63. He left bodies in California, Oregon, Iowa, Missouri, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Illinois, and Canada jumping from city to city and state to state, trying to keep one step ahead of the police, who were by then closing in. His first victim was found in the attic of her house in San Francisco on February 20, 1926. 60-year-old Clara Newman had been displaying a rooms-to-let sign in her downstairs window when Earl Nelson had come to inquire about one. Clara was strangled and raped that same day. On March 2, 1926, Laura E. Beale, a 60-year-old landlady in San Jose, suffered an identical fate. Newspapers began writing about the Dark Strangler, but links between the two murders were not officially recognized until later, and the suspect remained elusive. On June 10th, Nelson was back in San Francisco, there, he raped and strangled 63-year-old Lillian St. Mary before stuffing her body under a bed. Mrs. George Russell was next. The 58-year-old woman was murdered in Santa Barbara on June 26th. On August 16th, Mary Nesbitt, 52 years old, suffered the same fate in Oakland. The papers ran headline after headline, and the police had connected the murders. A new and terrifying killer was on the loose in California, and the police were determined to put an end to his menace. California had become too hot for Nelson. He selected Portland, Oregon at random, and made the trip. It didn't take long for him to claim his first victim there. On October 19th, Beta Withers, 35, was raped and strangled. Her remains were unceremoniously stuffed into a trunk where she would later be found. The next day, Nelson met and murdered Virginia Grant. He left her corpse behind the furnace in the house she'd advertised to rent. Then, on October 21st, Nelson approached Mabel Fluke about a room she was letting out. Her body, strangled with a scarf, was found hidden in her attic. By this time, police in Portland had managed to identify Earl. He had been tracked down through relatives, and the crimes were strongly linked. They knew who he was, but finding him was something else entirely. During the search for Earl, 
his aunt and uncle were interviewed, and it was then that his strange childhood habit of walking on his hands was recalled. That, coupled with his large protruding forehead, thick lips, and drooping expression, earned the moniker the Gorilla Killer. Nelson struck again on November 18th, this time in San Francisco. He strangled and raped 56-year-old Wilhelmina Edmonds. Her body was found by her husband, and Nelson remained at large. On November 24th, he strangled Blanche Myers in Oregon City. He tucked her body beneath a bed in her rooming house, leaving it to be found by her family. As the body count went up, the police got closer to finding him. It wasn't long before police dragnets rendered the West Coast uninhabitable, and Nelson moved eastward. He hitchhiked and rode the rails, eventually landing in Council Bluffs, Iowa. It was there, on December 23rd, that he killed 48-year-old Elizabeth Beard, in the same way he had killed all his other victims. He kept moving and found himself in Kansas City for Christmas. There, he strangled 23-year-old Bonnie Pace, and days later, on December 28th, committed the double murder of 28-year-old Germania Harpin and her eight-month-old baby. Nelson was quiet for a few months after that. Perhaps his bloodlust sated momentarily. But the quiet was not to last, and on April 27, 1927, Nelson struck again. He strangled Mary McConnell, age 60, in his hometown of Philadelphia. A month later, in Buffalo, New York, the victim was Jenny Randolph, 35. He moved on then to Detroit, where he murdered landlady Minnie May, 53 years old, and one of her tenants, Mrs. Antwerp, on June 1st. And two days later, he strangled Mary Seitzer, 27, in Chicago. Nelson feared police were closing in on him, and he sought to save himself from the gallows by crossing the border into Canada. He made it to Winnipeg and rented a room on June 8, 1927. There, he strangled 14-year-old Lola Cohen, the daughter of his neighboring tenants. The next day, he met and murdered housewife Emily Patterson. She was found bludgeoned and raped in her home, her body hidden underneath a bed. Emily's husband found her when, after worrying at her disappearance, he knelt down at the bed to pray for her safety. Hoping to cash in on his last crime, Nelson stole some clothing and resold it at a Winnipeg second-hand shop. He then spent the cash on a haircut, which turned out to be a mistake. The barber recognized Nelson from his wanted poster at a local post office. After Earl left the shop, the barber phoned the police. Nelson was picked up and jailed in Killarney, but he escaped after picking the lock on his cell with a nail file. He was recaptured twelve hours later, though, as he tried to slip out of town. The trial for the murder of Emily Patterson opened in Winnipeg on November 1, 1927. Only two witnesses were called by the defense, his aunt and former wife, to support Nelson's insanity plea. Ultimately, he was found guilty of murder and was hung on January 13, 1928. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode about the gorilla killer, Earl Nelson. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and feel free to leave us a comment as it helps others find us more easily. 
Help spread the word by liking us on Facebook or following on Twitter and Tumblr. If you have any questions, comments, or an idea for a podcast, send us a message at info at brutalends.com. Until next time.